What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Birds podcast with the Bell and the Bird crew. We are here on another victory Monday for our Philadelphia Eagles. It's trade deadline week. We got some slop dropping all over the timeline. But in the meantime, let's celebrate yet another victory, a A.J. Brown masterclass for our Philadelphia Eagles. Vince, how are we feeling about yesterday's win? I mean, my God, uh, whatever, uh, what, how am I blanking on it? Uh, 10 seconds into the show, I blank on the coordinator's name into Washington. What, uh, what the hell? Bienemy, Eric Bienemy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Someone hire Bien-Ami. that guy. Can, can somebody hire that guy to be a head coach, please, for the love of God, get him out of Washington? Like, it's, it, they're a respectable organization now. I don't like this. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a really weird thing to see because they've already been a problem anyway all the time, regardless of how bad and miserable they've been. But, like, he actually knows what he's doing, and they look good. Uh, you're going to like this, Trill. Uh, Sam Howell looks like a good version, like a better version of Baker Mayfield. And... Uh, Seeing how all this stuff comes around, I mean, it's like it. Uh, the nice thing is, as good as Washington looks, the simple fact is the Eagles are just so loaded of talent that it doesn't matter. And like that is the best thing. That it's the best song to sing. I've been singing it for two years now. It's just they have they have too many good players. They can't they can't go wrong even when they're not clicking. Things look ugly. Red zone turnovers, all those different things. I mean, it's just how do you stop this team? Like if and, and this is with them turning the ball over. I mean, that's that's the crazy part. Usually it's like, oh, well, if they turn the ball over, they're going to lose. Even when they turn the ball over and they have all season long, they're seven to one. They're Here's seven the to one. Here's the formula. No Jalen Carter, no Lane Johnson, four turnovers, MetLife Stadium, historically good Jets defense that might carry them to the playoffs with a historically bad offense. That's apparently the only way you could beat these, this Philadelphia Eagles team, but the Sam Howell stuff, the Eric B enemy stuff, man, doesn't matter who the coordinator is for the Eagles. Seems like they can kind of figure out whatever this Vic Fangio style of defense is that Sean decides running. Obviously Fangio was helping the team last year during the Super Bowl and Jonathan Gannon's defense was absolutely picked apart by the enemy second straight game that Sam Howell has looked like Tom Brady against the Philadelphia Eagles and they're two and oh in those games somehow at one point I tweeted during the game that he when he sees an Eagles jersey he turns into Tom Brady and the best part about that was the fact that he ended up getting sacked And it looked like a fumble on the biggest play of the game, which I thought made the comp even more appropriate considering Tom Brady's history in big games with the Eagles. So I thought that that honestly coming out of there yesterday was just another encouraging sign, despite, like you said, the red zone problems continue, the turnover problems continue, and they put their head down and they figured out a way to win the game. And I know that John's been stewing on some takes about our guy, <laughs> AJ Brown. John, how'd you feel about that AJ Brown masterclass yesterday? Uh, I mean, yes, he should be in the MVP conversation. That's not even a question. Ooh. We can de- we can debate whether Tyree Kill or well, I honestly that's where I'm at. Is it more Jalen or AJ that they are at to this point? And I don't really care because they're both on this team. So everyone can enjoy that debate for as long as they want to. The curious thing for me after this is what the fuck is it going to take for everyone just to say the Philadelphia Eagles are an amazing football team and Jalen Hurts is yet again ascending to a top five quarterback. That has not come across anyone's mouth at seven and one and repeating all the stuff that we have for weeks on end. We're still sitting here asking why the 49ers and Brock Purdy aren't fucking working out because he's not good because he's not Jalen Hurts because it's not 
you know, like, man, I, uh, I thought I probably gave too much credit to Justin Herbert is my, is my initial takes on a Sunday or, or on a Monday night after, after this, like Jalen's playing on one knee. He barely is able to plant on his injured knee foot and he's throwing dimes out there to AJ Brown. AJ Brown's catching him one handed, two handed, uh, stiff arm in your grandmother. Like he doesn't care who is in your way. He is going to score a touchdown. He's going to make sure, you know, and by the way, all those people that were saying run the football yesterday, being down 14 to three and not having one lead until the fourth quarter can shut up too. That is why you need to be throwing the football and trill. They gave you the best delight ever. They finally listened to you. They threw to Julio Jones in the fucking red zone. So like, yes, everything is going to click for this offense moving forward. I'm not worried about that part at all. I totally agree with you. Back to the AJ versus Jalen thing. I think that I'll put it like this. I've been thinking about it ever since you said that earlier. And I think Jalen, we've seen it before. Jalen is more important to the success of the team. When Jalen goes out, the drop-off with whoever the backup quarterback's going to be, whether it's Gardner Minshew or it's Marcus Mariota or if we got our way, Tanner McKee. <laughs> whoever that is, the the drop-off between Hertz and average backup would be a bigger detriment to the Philadelphia Eagles than if A.J. Brown were to miss a game or miss an extended period of time. Having said that, on the whole, this season... A.J. Brown has been the best player for the Philadelphia Eagles on offense, and he has been breaking records. The first player to have six straight games with 125 yards or more. He is literally always open. I think the best play in the playbook is just throw it up for A.J. Brown. He will make a play, whether it's in the end zone or it's anywhere on the field. This guy is if not the best wide receiver in football in the top two or three. And for this year, I don't think MVP is ever going to really go to anyone who's a non-quarterback anymore. But if you look around the league, this would be the year, right? I mean, we love Jalen, but he's had turnover issues. The Eagles have the best record. Patrick Mahomes is having a down statistical year for him because he is him. And even the guys that were in the race earlier, Purdy's falling out. You know, two is still good, but look at their record against teams that are actually good. They've played the Bills and the Eagles, and they've lost, and then they've beat up on a bunch of bad teams. So I would imagine that Tua's stats regress by the end of the year if he's even able to stay healthy. And then who are we talking about here? Like, if you would consider someone, I've been joking all season that if Kirk Cousins who unfortunately tore his Achilles yesterday was on the San Francisco 49ers. He would be running that by the way, but he would be running away with MVP, right? Like, would he not like if he were putting up these stats on the 49ers and they were had two more wins than they have right now, he, but that's the kind of year it is, is what I'm trying to say. So I think offensive player of the year in the NFC is certainly in the cards for AJ Brown. And I think that if the season ended today, he would get that award, but who is going to win MVP is the real question to me, because if the, if the top guys aren't there with the stats and the other guys can't stay healthy, and even some guys that are putting up great stats aren't on great teams, then I'm not really sure what this MVP race is going to look like. But I think AJ Brown has the best case for any non quarterback in the NFL right now. Vince, you on that mark? Yeah, too? Uh, like, look, here's the other the, thing that I will. 
Go ahead, Jeremy. Oh, no, I was just gonna I was just gonna compliment you because like I'm fully on he's better than Tio. So like uh, yeah, uh, uh, he is he's so much better than Tio. I don't know what to say. Like uh we both lived through it, we both saw it. I'm I'm with you now. Credit for sticking your neck out there when I was too much of a wuss to do so. Yeah, it's it's just the truth. I mean, he's got better hands than Terrell Owens ever did. He he does the same things that T.O. does. He does it all the time. He's a better teammate. Um, there's there's nothing about him that doesn't make him better than Terrell Owens. It just it just is what it is. And like uh, you know, for T.O., he was a, he was a great player, but he's one of the greatest receivers to ever live. And that's two trills point. Like when you're in the MVP discussion as a wide receiver at this stage of the season, you're just one of the best to do it in the league. And you you are potentially a guy that can be one of the all-time greats. Like A.J. Brown, at this stage in his career, he's been in the league a couple of years now. He's still a really young guy. I mean, what is he, 25, 26? Like, for, 26, for that yeah. kind of age, this kind of production, this is what elite players do. I mean, there was a play uh, at one point in this game where they throw it behind the line of scrimmage to A.J. Brown. He's got three guys in the vicinity on him. He has no reason to get any yardage whatsoever on that play. They throw him the ball. He breaks a tackle or two, falls forward. He ends up getting like three, four yards on the play. He had no business doing that. He had no business whatsoever. Like there's very few guys in the league that can make that happen. And and it is kind of funny to see Smitty on the opposite side because like for him, he's not a massive tackle breaker. He's just like the technician, you know, it, it, it's almost like on some level that you have T.O. and Marvin Harrison on the same team. Like there, there's just something to be said about that kind of talent on both sides consistently spectacular catches like they, they just do everything you need to do smitty's a great blocker aj's a great blocker it, it's just perfect team football and it that's what mvp should be so like i'm totally with you on that campaign yeah and i had a saw stat on twitter that was from uh, a buddy of mine mike lynch at sport info 24 7 great follow by the way he works for Stathead, a.k.a. Football Reference and Basketball Reference. I follow him for a lot of NBA and NFL stuff. And he had a stat that blew my mind. Yards per target in the NFL during a player's career. Number five, Tyree Kill, 9.7. Number four, Malcolm Floyd, 9.7. Wow. <laughs> There's a throwback name for you if you haven't heard that in a while. Was that mostly as a Charger? That's, in, that's that was all. He only played for the Chargers. Oh, so right, that was right. his entire career, yeah. 9.7. Number three, Deshaun Jackson, 9.8. Famous, another famous deep threat. Justin Jefferson, number two, is 10.2. And after yesterday, A.J. Brown has moved into the number one spot all time for yards per target for, in, for any receiver in NFL history with 10.3 yards per target. So this guy, basically, if you're targeting him, you're getting a first down. <laughs> <laughs> On average, if you target A.J. Brown, you are getting a first down. So possibly the most efficient wide receiver we've ever seen. And I, I want to give all the love to Jalen after yesterday, because outside of that fumble in the end zone and what he played through, he was amazing. Uh, another stat from uh, from Mike from that game was that him and Hal were the first quarterbacks in NFL history to throw for at least 75% of their passing yards completed 300 touchdowns and four TDs in the same game. It was quite literally the most efficient quarterback day in the history of the NFL in that game. So pretty amazing offenses we watched yesterday. And obviously 
I, I wanted to start with some positive stuff with a, with the way that AJ's been wrecking it, with the way that Jalen's been playing through. This bone bruise, by the way, I don't know how, if you know how painful a bone bruise is, but when guys in the NBA get this, Lonzo Ball got this and had to sit out for months at a time when he had this. So I just think that what he's been able to do, Jalen, and just not sitting out any games is incredibly commendable. And I think the fact that he looked the best he's looked all season as a thrower they didn't run any design runs for Jalen. He barely escaped the pocket basically the whole day. Everything was done from inside the pocket. And he was looking like you said, John, a top five quarterback in the NFL and certainly someone who's a candidate for MVP. So give give the flowers to Jalen. You know, I'm still a little, little concerned with the offense as a whole in terms of the turnovers, but in terms of the process that we saw yesterday, you couldn't ask for much better process, figuring out some of the red zone stuff as the game went on. And uh, yeah, I just hope that we don't see Washington in the, <laughs> the playoffs at any time <laughs> because Sam Howell will be turning back into Tom Brady and Eric Bietamie will be driving us insane. So hopefully this is the end of their season. They're sellers at the trade deadline and we don't have to worry about them again. Yeah, I would, uh, I would much appreciate that. And I don't think we're going to see them for, I think we're good. for quite a long time. And that's what I'll get into the, it's, I guess it's my role to be the bitcher anyway. So like, let's get into the, into yes. some of the bullshit that happened. Like I, even with the bullshit, like I know it's bullshit, but I, how do you correct? Like, Hey, don't fumble a tush push. It just seemed, seemed like a, again, sure. a weird freak incident. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, hold on to the fucking ball. Okay. Like he can, here's how you fix that. Don't play Kenny, Kenny Gainwell. All Amen. <laughs> Amen. Why does the coaching staff trust this guy? Say it again. He's missing third and seven, the previous game and did a whoopsie doozy for like a go ahead touchdown. Didn't he? So like, oh I don't know. I, I get it. But when your only two active running backs are Deandre Swift or three, I guess Bosco, cause he's really reserved for your kick returner. So you don't want to ruin him. Uh, as Vince Quinn keeps pointing out, like almost on the daily. Now they hate Rashad Penny and he'll never yep. be active for a football game. I've got less Bowen yelling that you shouldn't trade for a running back at the deadline too, by the way. And I'm going, well, I, I don't know. I just, they got to trust somebody other than Swift. And it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. You can't run with Jalen hurts in his knee. Right. Sure. There was no QB sneaks for a reason. I, I just don't know why they didn't throw 60 times in this game, to be honest with you. Like, just just do that. I what was correctable on those two turnovers? Other than no, that, they, like, they definitely no. seem like like kind of more outlier freak things, especially the tush push, the most effective play in the NFL. I saw people complaining about that, but I was like, look, it's worked literally all year. It was a, a miscommunication and a rare error by Jalen in that situation. The Gainwell thing is really where it just starts to get me because the thing that I, I feel like I was lied to about Gainwell, I feel like the whole coaching staff told me, oh, we trust him. He's going to be the number one running back. And then immediately it was obvious that DeAndre Smith was a much more talented player and a much more dynamic, explosive player. And we saw Gainwell's snaps go down. We saw his carries go down. And now we're seeing him in this context where, you know, look, guys are going to fumble. It's not like Swift hasn't had fumbling issues throughout his career as well, even though he's only fumbled one time with the Eagles. But it just feels like we relied to about Gainwell. And I, I'm not like, go trade a second round pick for Derrick Henry or anything. But I do think that I'm not really too concerned about the running back room and just kind of, they've had really good health to start the year, though. And if you want to have some sort of insurance policy, 
if you want to throw a late round pick, we always talk about, oh, I'll send you my sixth round pick for your seventh round pick, those kind of trades, and go get a guy who's, you know, somewhat more trustworthy than Gainwell or whoever else could be in this position if there are injuries, then I understand that. But I think that there are bigger needs on the team right now, specifically at linebacker. And I think that that is something that Howie is looking to upgrade over the next 24 hours before we hit our trade deadline, at least according to the athletic. So, well, Tyre's getting really pumped up that he's, that they said linebacker. I but know. Yeah, damn right. I'm getting excited. It's about damn time we start, you know, talking about one of the best positions in football. One of the most <laughs> important, by the way, John. We're so bad. But don't you right? think, like, for for even this is for you, Ty. Don't you think Diana Rossini is saying linebacker? But like, everyone just assumes that means inside linebacker. I think it's outside linebacker without a doubt. Like. Mm-hmm. I, I can't I cannot see them wasting another resource just like I can't, can't really see them wasting a resource on a running back either. Like, I, it's, it's not going to be an inside linebacker. You think it's going to be an inside linebacker, Ty? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's going to be an inside backer, but I will say it will be a a a pass. A how do I put this? A linebacker that can cover. That's who it really needs to be. Not necessarily a pass rusher. Sure, you need to replace Derek Barnett, but nobody gives a damn about Derek Barnett as long as he ain't fucking up. That's the big thing. Just don't fuck he up. He tried yesterday. Yeah, he, he tried. tried. He came penalty. real close yesterday. <laughs> I was, re- I, I saw it. I saw the late hit, and I was like, oh, you mother. Okay, they didn't call it. All right, let me calm down. But if there's one guy I think how we should go after, especially considering that their quarterback just took a season-ending injury yesterday, I think it's time to bring Simba home. I'm just saying. I think it's yeah. time to bring Jordan Hicks home. I think he leads the league in linebackers in terms of pass deflections, if I'm not mistaken. We already know how good he is as a covered guy. I'm so sick and tired of teams nickel and diming us in the middle of the field. They don't, If they don't feel like or don't want to test Darius Slay and James Bradbury, they pick us apart over the middle. I don't think Reed putting Reed Blankenship in the middle of the field in man coverage is the smartest thing to do, as we saw yesterday against the Commanders. So I think it's time to bring a cover linebacker who we drafted in the third round home. The one one of the few one of the few non-mistakes that Chip Kelly ever made throughout his tenure here in Philadelphia. Please bring Jordan Hicks home. That's my pitch. Well, the question is, will Howie bring in a chip guy? Because that's, that's you know, that, that, that's that is true. There, that withstanding beef. But but the reality of the situation is, I agree. I mean, look, history tells us Howie is not investing a lot in those positions. History tells us he's more likely to acquire an outside linebacker that can possibly be an edge rusher. All of that, sure. I definitely think it's it's not really. It's it's just an embarrassment of riches at that point. Like. I know that we love like Derek Barnett drives us crazy. And some of these guys that are shuffling in and out aren't perfect yet. You know, you want to get Nolan Smith some more reps and hope that he develops his game throughout the course of the season. But like, to me, it's pretty obvious. Like you were saying, we're getting carved up over the middle of the field, especially on these quick routes where when you face these quarterbacks, now look, does it, are these plays low ceiling? Yes. They're not going to be killing you down the field, which has been the whole goal of this offense. And we talked about it. When, you know, it's uh, the end of the first half yesterday and they're doing the thing that drives Ty crazy and they're playing 10 yards off and they get in field goal range and they kick that field goal. Those kind of plays have been driving us crazy all year. But the thing that I've talked about and one of the reasons why I love the uh, Bayard uh, acquisition was because 
They've had this lack of turnovers. They've had this lack of playmakers on the defense. And the fact is you get guys that can come in that can, can cover over the middle of the field. You get guys that can come in that can get interceptions and deflections and make plays on the field. It's going to make things so much easier because a lot of these plays that we're seeing whenever we play Washington, like I said, they're low ceiling plays. They're not explosive plays by any means, but they're also low turnover plays. They all, you know, they turned the ball over finally at the end of the game, but it took what eight quarters of this for Sam Howell to have one turnover against the Philadelphia Eagles, their pass rush with how we have looked crushing quarterbacks in other games. I just think it's nice to have options. And I think it's nice to have guys that can give you a little bit more diversity in what you want to do on defense. Now, I'm not saying give up a ton of draft capital or anything, no. but if there's a guy available like Jordan Hicks or someone that, you know, you think you can trust a little bit more and it can kind of sure up that linebacking core, I'm all for it. They need it. I mean, they, yeah, why not? Like it, at this point, you're good everywhere. I mean, it's the only, like, it's the only real weak spot. So if they decide, all right, let's go in for a linebacker who's on an expiring deal, get the comp pick after the season. Like that totally works. Uh, if it were up to me, I would rather trade for a running back. Honestly, give me the running back. Give me the power guy, especially with Jalen having the injury. Penny sucks. So I'll, I'll keep saying that because John said it earlier. So we didn't say it enough. Penny sucks. Um, <laughs> I, but uh, to Penny's credit, he's not hurt. So he didn't get hurt. So he's, that's a that's a successful run. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, there's a million running backs in the league. The league's full of all these great players all over the place. And to be able to bring in somebody like I'm not going to say it's the flashiest thing ever. And everybody's going to hate me for this. But you know what? Fuck it. Zeke like New England's awful. I, I don't know. I can't imagine he's making much money. He's a power guy, deal, basically. Like, yeah. yeah, like, why not? You know, I just, I, I don't see the problem in getting a guy like that. I don't think he's gonna like wreck the team. You know, people go, oh, his attitude, or like, it's, it's, he's not like that anymore. His, his time has come and gone. So I, I think it's okay. You know, it's just like get somebody that can give you that workload because they don't have anybody around right now that's going to be able to do the job. And it, of that, like, I doubt the Colts are going to move on from like Zach Moss because they're going to be trading Taylor at some point. They're going to lose him. But you know what? He's had a hell of a year for them. He's around. They're not doing anything. Like, I, I don't know. Just get somebody that can do it. I'm kind of in for the Zeke troll, to be honest with you. If you can, if you can make that funny. happen for Dallas Week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I just think do the funniest thing possible. And it would be hilarious to get the Cowboys' former running back on Cowboys Week. Certainly. I, I, I'm in it just for the bits, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I'm in a bit. No, no bit on Saquon, by the way, since the Giants are kind of having a fire. I was right I literally just read my mm. mind. I was like, <laughs> if if you want a guy who is because because everyone's talked about Derrick Henry all year, and I've kind of been in the Derrick Henry is semi wash category for the majority of the year. Every time I watch him, you know, it looks like he's a half a step slower, not quite as explosive as he once was. Defenses don't prepare in the same way that they used to. The advantage of having Derrick Henry was they would stack the box and it would open up everything else for you. And I just, I don't really see him having that kind of gravity as a running back like he used to. The other hand, Saquon Barkley, I mean, if he's healthy, man, I know that they're playing him like an absolute workhorse right now. And it's it, they're they're doing their best to try to injure him. It appears, but I think that he's one of the five running backs in the NFL that, when healthy and in the right situation, is one of the few that truly matters. And I think that it's like McCaffrey, Saquon. There's only a handful of guys really. And look, he signed a one-year deal, right? Um, am I correct? I believe yes, basically. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We know they're not going to pay him anyway, and maybe the Giants wouldn't do it just because it's like 
you know, they are blowing it up. And and someone did point out on Twitter earlier. I wish I could remember who it was. It was very funny. Said it's probably not a great sign that your franchise QB that you just signed to this extension is coming back, and you you're deciding to do a fire sale. <laughs> like probably not the best uh, news for Giants fans. But if look if he's available and the price is right. I'm I'm all for just making the team better for this season and worrying about all that other stuff later. And he's one of the few guys that's truly dynamic enough to do kind of what Christian McCaffrey did for the 49ers last year. Because in my fan fiction brain, uh, like knowing that you could run 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends, and have being shotgun, being pistol, being with Saquon Barkley, DeAndre Swift, and Jalen Hurts as his like brown bruise continues to heal over the next year. What the fuck are you gonna do? I mean, like we 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 just got through saying like how the fuck are you gonna cover AJ Brown, Devontae Smith when Dallas Goddard slips out, and now you have two very very capable running backs of catching the football at any time. That like including Kenny, by the way, I think. To everyone's point, Kenny Gainwell is still a hell of a pass catcher, and I love him on third downs and and you know two That's minute fair. and all that stuff. So, uh, Saquon Barkley is much more much more tantalizing than anything I think we've discussed coming up towards the trade deadline, and something that I didn't think would come out of my mouth. But like this whole the the trade kind of triggered that I think for everybody. I said Red Rover, Red Rover, Saquon come over. So like I I I don't think that's a waste of energy in any part because. You're going to get a comp pick. One of those guys is going to walk. If you end up keeping Saquon over DeAndre Swift, uh, great, or, or vice versa. You're sure. still, they're walking. You're getting a third to a fifth, and you don't have to pay anything. I'm yeah, in. Ty, how do you feel about that? Yeah, fuck 22 personnel. I'm just thinking about how good they are in 12 personnel. You know, just what they've, <laughs> yeah. the success they've, they, they've had just in 12 personnel these last couple of years, and how good they are against the run. Oh, my God. Do you know how much play action can be made off of just 12 personnel? And this time, instead of having a, a, a shifty guy back there, you got somebody like Saquon. Are you freaking kidding me? Please, sign me up for it. Please, I, 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 I'll take now. it. I'll take I take it. I kind of need this now. I'm. A, I mean, look, I'm a Penn State guy, so I'm biased. He was the maybe the greatest college running back I've ever seen. He was unbelievable. But oh God, I mean, we've we've seen the stats all year about you know how the Eagles are breaking records for before their running backs even get touched when they're running the ball. And if you add in another just dynamic talent along with these other guys, that would truly make the offense completely unstoppable. I hope that they're make, they're trying to be aggressive and make these moves that, you know, we're not really expecting. And I think that Howie recognizes Jason Kelsey's not going to be here forever. Lane Johnson's not going to be here forever. The clock is ticking on your championship window. You know, look, we have Jalen Hurts. We have a championship level quarterback. We have a championship level core around him. Let's not waste any time. Let's diagnose some issues and see how we can get even better and make us completely unbeatable in January and February, Ooh. which has been the goal. Plus, you can sell right back to the Giants that you don't have to see Boston Scott, and you'll include him in the <laughs> You just go right up to him and the be like... The reign of terror is over. <laughs> Listen, he won't beat you. Saquon might still beat you, but Boston yeah. Scott's not going to beat you. Exactly, so. yeah, yeah. No, I, I would love to see something like that happen in the next 24 hours. It sounds like there are going to be deals made, and uh, it, sh it should be fun. But look, man, continuing off of what we said last week, I said the NFL is mid last week. Bro, the Chiefs lost to the Broncos. The 49ers <laughs> just lost their third game in a row. I think like that made Vince Quinn real happy, by the way. The Broncos <gasps> win. Russell My Wilson. boys. 
Get him, Russ. Oh, God. Here we go. Broncos country. Let's ride, baby. Let's ride. And real quick on the side note, when I say my father, who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, was pissed off. I have never seen my father so livid a day in my life till that loss yesterday. And I was just sitting here just like, hey, man, calm down. I'll probably still see you probably later (laughs) at the Super Bowl. We're going to see you later on in the season, but, you know, calm down. Trill, right. are you saying the path to Chiefs-Eagles is a little little in check now? All I'm saying is that team that the 49ers played yesterday when their quarterback is healthy is really good. Bengals are good, man. Yes. Like, do they have flaws? For sure. Absolutely. They also probably have the best defensive coordinator in football and when healthy, one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. And that's kind of what we've been looking at with the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes and their defense has been dominant, but it doesn't sound like they're going to make any upgrades at wide receiver. And I think that's a massive mistake. Personally, I talked about it last week when they reacquired, uh, uh, Miko, I was like, he doesn't really move the needle in the same way that last year when they had that wide receiving core. Now, a lot of these guys haven't had great years, but last year when they were on the chiefs were incredibly effective in that. And we learned in the super bowl that, they were, you know, they were good enough to win. And I just, I, I have more questions about that rematch. I have more questions about the chiefs ability to score in the playoffs, especially if they're facing a defense like Cincinnati and look, the Bengals have beat them before. It's not like it's that long ago that they went to Arrowhead and they've won multiple times. So I I think that the AFC, the NFL is just mid to bad. And, and we'll see with Dallas, what they're made of over the next few weeks because we play them twice but that's really the only team right now that looks like somewhat of a threat to me personally well yeah i, I mean it, i think when you look at the chiefs are they crumbling under the pressure of taylor swift is yes. it too great <laughs> are the are the swifties too extreme the jersey sales have picked up and they're panicking i think so so, I mean, lots to worry about for them. I don't, I don't think Andy can take it. I don't think Mahomes can take it. I don't think Travis Kelsey can take it. So that's, that's all up in the air. Um, yeah. I mean, otherwise, like here's the biggest thing, right? Is when you're looking at the league and, and everybody being mid, like for, for the Niners losing these games, I mean, man, uh, Eagles are in the driver's seat for the one seed right now. Like yeah. absolutely. And the pressure's mid- on them to come to Philly and win that game now. They have yeah. to, or they're done, which is it's killer. So like you're in such a good spot now. I mean, you play Dallas twice. So like, look, even if the Eagles split odds are, you know, they're, they're going to be in a situation to go and get that one seed. So it's just like, that's, that's exactly where you want to be. Otherwise, I mean, Seattle, Detroit, like I like those teams, but I I don't see them as being the best record in the conference. No. And they don't have the, they don't have the, okay. Even if they're able to put together a run and get that one seat. They don't have the talent to win in February or in January and February to me. These I, I've said it all year. I think the Cowboys have a better, and I don't believe in the Cowboys, but I think the Cowboys have more elite talent at important positions than those teams do right now. Now, maybe in a few years, sure, some of the guys on D- Detroit or Seattle will develop into those talents, but they're really young. They're inexperienced. They have quarterbacks I, I don't fully trust when the spotlight is on. And uh, I, I think that they, that the, that the, the 49ers and the Cowboys are the only teams in the NFC with what we call game wrecking talent. And that is what really matters when it comes down to uh, the playoff football to me. And I, I, I'm not really concerned with any of those other teams. Well, and I want to stick with that too. Cause like, I don't know what else 
And it's not like I don't respect the, the Cowboys' talent. Everybody in this conversation, I believe, does. But it's just, what are we supposed to do with that? Great. Like, I know that the sure. Dallas Cowboys have more firepower than the Rams this week. And when they get going, they will crush you. If they, yeah, especially if like you, Micah Parsons is moving around, no one can control him. Absolutely. It's going to happen every single time because they draft really well. Dak Prescott is still way better than like a lot of people give him credit for. And it's easy to shit all over him because he's Dak and he's a dork. And I love it. But, yeah. uh, what else? Like, that's what I mean. Yes, I can acknowledge all of those things. Coming into Cowboys week, I'm probably a little more fired up and biased than I usually am. But, like, what in the – even if the Eagles lose, how are you supposed to terrify me? We all know what's coming in 10 weeks. So, like, yeah. unless the Cowboys can really show me something completely different from their scheme, if Mike McCarthy can suddenly, like, not be stupid, if, like – and. I just don't know what you want me to say. The same with well, the same script that we're going to we're going to go with the 49ers. It's almost like repetitive and nauseating at this point. Kyle yeah. Shanahan has not picked the right quarterback in six fucking years. And we're still talking about the same damn thing about that team and how good yeah. its defense is and da da da. Same thing with Dallas. All you got to do is run up Michael Parsons successfully and the game is over. Yep. That's it. No, and if you, you don't, if you do that, you win. If you don't, you lose. That's pretty much it. Like I, I, I am, I'm with you, but here's the thing that I will say. And once again, I've said it all season. I don't fear Dallas because of the McCarthy X factor. The Eagles coordinators have not looked great to be completely honest with you. I think that they have shown their flaws through the, all right, well, what's the counter to that? The, I, when you say coordinators, are you including Desai in that? Cause I got a big problem if that's the okay. case. So yes. here's the thing. With, here's the thing with Desai. I think Desai has been, really really good in a handful of games it very much reminds me of last year to be honest with you where the good games the defense looks unstoppable there the, no one's able to generate any sort of consistent offense against them uh you know it's it's they, they keep the game low scoring all of that the games where they kind of have been a little bit exposed like these two washington games that we've seen it reminds me a little bit of last year where you get the wrong matchup at the wrong time and they might be able to be exposed. Having said that, I still think that they can figure it out, but there has been, I don't have as much confidence in these coordinators when we get to January and February in the same way I did last year. And that turned out to be a fatal flaw for, for Gannon when we got to the Super Bowl and we faced an all-time quarterback. The, the good news is they don't have an all-time coach and an all-time quarterback. So I that's why I'm not afraid of Dallas. And once again, I think it's less about the Eagles' excellence and more about the lack of excellence around the rest of the NFL that I'm so confident in this team. Because, kinda, you know, you can, you can go. To kind of get Sean Desai's back a little bit, like he, like it, it, I think I heard on Sunday where he he's working with the eighth different secondary combination i mean yeah. this year and we're only what eight this is what eight nine weeks in like so mm -hmm. every single damn week he's having to work with a different secondary which means you can't necessarily get into like the true play like the true plays that you really want to play to kind of stop an offense why because the communication in that secondary is just as important as the communication up front against uh with the defensive line so it's kind of hard for me to to kind of attacked Sean Desai with some of the good, like you said, some of the good games that he's had. Like, 
we have the personnel, like you said, to get the job done. I just think it's kind of it's a little unfair to attack to attack Sean Desai. Now, Brian Johnson's on my list. I ain't even, I'm not even gonna <laughs> lie to you guys. Brian Johnson is on my list. Like if he got somehow, some way got hired someplace else to some sort of college to be a head coach, good. Get the hell out of here. Because like that's how that's how pissed off I've been about the offensive play calling. But Sean Desai, I'm I'm kind of a little bit more giving the benefit of the doubt. Not to mention the fact, it, including the, going back to the secondary, including the fact that you got two guys who look like they've lost they've lost half a step. Your corners, your top corners look like they've lost half sure. a step. They they look toast yesterday. So you're saying go give up a first round pick and go get Patrick Sertain? Hell yes, I, I'm at that point. I'm at that point. I am Honestly, so serious. Oh, by the way, is... we have some we have some breaking news. The Eagles have made a trade while we we're doing this. By no the way, stop it playing. Is a, it, it is a whopper, by the way. All right. No. They are sending uh, Contavious Street and a 2025 seventh round pick to the Falcons for a sixth round 2024 pick from the Falcons. So they're trading uh, a seventh in 2025 and a player for a sixth next year. Did we not just talk about this, about how they love to do the seventh for six swaps? That honestly, honestly, it's a nothing trade, but I'm hoping that it means bring in more draft capital so you can move your own draft capital at another trade. That's what yeah. this tells me. It, it's yeah. the trade before the trade. And I hope that they end up making a move and filling one of these weaknesses on a, honestly, a team that doesn't have a ton of weaknesses to be completely honest with you. Yes. Yeah. And now that, that being said, uh, can we shut up about Brian Johnson for Christ's sake? No, my, it is no. eight weeks of a brand new offensive coordinator. And we're wanting to throw this guy into the fucking Delaware Valley in the pick a river. I, yes. I like, can I, can we, can I Hold get on. an under a distinct <laughs> understanding of what Brian Johnson is doing wrong? Third in the NFL in points, second in the NFL in yards right now, really the big issue for us so far has been the red zone offense, which I am going to, after yesterday, I'm chalking that game up to variance. I know I hate to do, Oh, turnovers are luck because I think that's kind of a bullshit line people pull. But if it's a fumble, it's different than an interception to me. And both of those plays, the Hurts play specifically, was not a play made by the defense. It was a bad play made by your one of your best players. That's not Brian Johnson's fault. I'm actually with you in that I've came around a little bit. I was I've been harsh on both coordinators, and I've probably had too high of a uh, of just a bar for both of these guys to start the year because, you know, they're replacing guys who had all-time regular seasons last year. But having said that, I do think that the the only thing I'm concerned about is the red zone, and I think that they're fixing those issues, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced just still from a play-calling perspective because while, yes, we got the victory yesterday, where in the hell are the runs? which is one of the main foundations. I don't give a damn, John. I wasn't allowed to say anything in the beginning. Now I'm going to get my piece in. Ty, just answer this one question. Let the boomer talk. When was the first time the Eagles had a lead in that game? The second half. Where in the second half? Third quarter. Fourth quarter. It was tied 24-24. Then they went up 31-24. You had no opportunity to run until the end of the game. Sorry, you were down. You were down the entire time. Yes, but at the same time, the reason the reason why we can't, we couldn't catch up to the goddamn fourth quarter is because we weren't allowing our defense to rest. Why? Three and out. Three and outs. Okay, 
Finally, there was a first two down. turnovers. Okay, damn, in we went the red zone. Up. There was two turnovers in the red zone. Tire. Listen, two I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna the deny the way. <laughs> I, thank, okay. Listen, I'm not going to deny the fact that should the had the game plan had gone absolutely perfectly minus those two turnovers, the offense puts up over 50 points. Maybe I'm not bitching and moaning, but all I'm saying is the foundation is, of this team is still based upon the run. I think you're getting a little too far away from it. Don't start becoming Andy Reid and start passing the ball everywhere. I'm just saying. Andy Reid won the Super Bowl last year. That was last year. <laughs> and at the end of the day, how did he how did he win? He ran the ball towards the end. <coughs> By okay, realizing that that turf was a piece of shit, changing the cleats yeah, exactly. and giving it to Pacheco. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was an inside job. Um, I yeah, I'm just don't saying think I won't Im- go there. Yeah, imp- imprison the sod father. I'm just saying. Um, so the do you know how many? Uh, I just have a quick question for you. All right, DeAndre Swift yards per carry yesterday. Ooh, I believe it was um, four point three, three point six. Three point six. <laughs> Jalen Hurts yards per carry yesterday. Oh God, six point one, one point five. Oh boy! Woo. Oh wow! Kenny Gainwell yards per carry yesterday, three point two, negative two <laughs> yards per attempt. Y- yards per attempt by Jalen Hurts yesterday, eight point four. So the, there you the go. Pass, when the passing game works, the passing game works. I'm not I, week to week. I would like to be flexible. I one of the things I think that the, that Brian Johnson has done a good job of is feeling out the opponent and what works and figuring out that over the course of a game. Because in these second halves, they look like they did last year. It's the first half where they struggle. They're not able to cook up a script that works against the teams that they're playing. I'm concerned about that when you get into more meaningful games against better defenses. But when you're kind of establishing feeling out a game and then figuring out by the end, I can't be too mad. But the Eagles are 7-1. and one. We're the only team in the NFL that has one loss. Every other team has at least two losses, and most of those losses are embarrassing losses. The Lions got destroyed. The 49ers have lost three in a row. The Cowboys had an embarrassing loss. The Chiefs lost to the Broncos, and the Eagles are taking care of business. Best record in the NFL online for the one seed if they can get through this next tough stretch that they have upcoming. So, look, how do we feel about the Cowboys this week? What's our, what's our score predictions? Vince Quinn. Oof. Yeah, this is, I mean, look, this is the perfect Dallas game, right? They, they go to LA, they, they, or they, well, they play the Rams. They beat the crap out of the Rams. I mean, that game was a blowout by halftime. It was completely over, which means they're feeling themselves. Let them feel themselves. Let them get all in their feelings and, and get excited. And, and, oh, we were going to go and go into Philly and beat the Eagles. Like I'm, I'm so ready for this energy. I think it's perfect for this team right now. So Dallas is going to put up some points like Tony Pollard rules. Uh, I hate to say it, but the dude's fun. They, they have talent, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, Dak's going to throw a couple of picks. He just does. That's, that's just how he plays football. And that's going to be enough. I'm going to put the Eagles in this one. Let's say 27 to 17. Ooh, I like that. Um, I think uh, Dallas actually kind of slaps them in the in like the first quarter. It's ten nothing, and then it kind of becomes like thirty one seventeen. I just I am, uh, well, I should say if Jalen Carter plays throughout this game, it's going to be thirty one seventeen. If it's not, it'll be a little closer than that. I just don't. I I Michael Parsons always hypes himself up way too much for coming out here, and I just got a really good feeling 
that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be slightly embarrassed from quarters two through four. So, uh, Ty, how are you feeling? I'm going to go 30 to 21, and that's only if, if they run to Michael Parsons' side because they've had success doing that in the past. When you isolate Micah Parsons and you play the run to his side, force everybody to his side, this team has had success in keeping Micah Parsons in check. So they do that. They come out with the victory. I say 30, I say 30 to 21. So this will be a big game for Jalen injured playing against a Dallas team that honestly he struggled against in his career. He hasn't really balled out against Dallas so far. I think it's going to be a lot up to him calling audibles to target Parsons on any given run play. I think that he's going to have to be doing a lot of creating on the move as well with that injury. And I'm not going doomer mode here. I think the Cowboys are an interesting matchup for us. I think the Cowboys win this game 28-24. I think the Eagles go to Dallas and they win that one in a few weeks. And I think that the Eagles still are the number one seed in the NFC and in the NFL when we get to playoff time. So this is not me panicking. I think this will be a little bit of a wake-up call uh, once again for the Eagles. I think that they've shown some flaws and they'll have some exploitable flaws in this game, but it will be a really good game and it will come down to the wire. And as much as I hate the Cowboys, they always play really good games when it's like this 425 spot, the prime time spot. Those games are always competitive and fun. So I'm really looking forward to this. I'll probably have a heart attack by the end of the game. So uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's guaranteed for all of us for sure. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yep. All right, guys, this was uh, this was fun. Uh, slop them up tomorrow. Trade deadline. Let's go. Howie make some moves. Pull some shit off that uh, we can talk about here on the pod next week. The seas are windy out there, me friends. <laughs> Beware of the trade winds as they blow across the sea. <laughs> ER. Slop them up. 